Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, open it up to the Gospel of Matthew, to Matthew chapter 2. As I mentioned during our announcement time, next Sunday we'll be considering what God's Word teaches us regarding the gift of life. Because as we think about Christmas, we're all oftentimes are thinking about the gifts that we will receive or the gifts that we will give to others. But next Sunday when we come together, I want us to consider our own heart and soul to make sure that we have all received the greatest gift of all. The gift of salvation, the gift of new life in Christ. But this morning we're going to take a break from our study through the book of Philippians to address a portion of the Christmas story that I find is very important for us to think about for our own souls and our own standing with God. And the main thrust of what I want each of you to understand and to consider for your life is this. A wise person is someone who seeks the Lord and seeks the Lord until they have found Him. So what each of us has to consider for ourselves, individually, personally, is this, have I sought the Lord? And have I found the Lord? And by saying, have I found the Lord, have I come to truly know Him as my Savior and as my Lord? And I bring that to your attention as we're going to look this morning at verses 1 through 12 of Matthew 2. Because even this idea of seeking the Lord Or as Jesus put it, striving to enter by the narrow gate has fallen on hard times in the days we live. It's really almost become obsolete. It's been replaced by instant gratification. Just instant repeating of prayers. And gone are the days when a person would agonize under the conviction of the Spirit of God wrestling in their heart, wrestling in their soul, wrestling in their conscience before God about their salvation, about their standing with God, about a relationship with God, about being reconciled with God. Think about men of the past. Great men of God from different backgrounds that wrestle with God in regards to their salvation. John Wesley, a mighty man of God that proclaimed the gospel, wrestled for 23 years for truly knowing Christ, finding Christ. John Newton, the man that we love, his song, Amazing Grace, he wrestled in his soul with God for six years before coming genuinely to Christ. Men like George Whitfield for 10 years. Or a man like Charles Spurgeon, great Baptist preacher that proclaimed the gospel and it seems as though many and thousands came to know Christ. But when he spoke about his own salvation, listen to what he said. He said, quote, for years as a child, I tried to learn the way of salvation. And either I did not hear it set forth, which I cannot quite have been, which could not quite have been the case, or else I was spiritually blind and deaf and could not see it, could not hear it. Had I read my Bible? Yes. And I read it earnestly. Had I never been taught by Christian people? Yes. I had by my mother and father and others. Had I not heard the gospel? Yes, I think I had. And yet somehow, 
It was like a new revelation to me when he found the Lord. And beloved, I bring that to your attention because this is what we have here in verses 1 through 12 with these wise men that come seeking the Lord. Listen to what God's word says. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from, the, from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which had, they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Brother, before we look into how we see this unfolding here of these, the wise person, or the wise people are seeking the Lord and the unwise people are not. I just want to bring to your attention that the reason why it is that Matthew has this portion of scripture here, this, this part of the Christmas story that you won't find in any of the other gospels. You won't find it in, in Mark, you won't find it in Luke, and you won't find it in John is because it fits with his purpose of wanting the audience that he is writing to to see that Jesus is the king of kings. He's not just the king of the Jews. He is really the king of the world. He is the king of the universe. Thus, he is worthy to be praised. In fact, what we're going to find is in the tragedy of this story is that we see this up front, what Jesus, what the gospel of John says, that when Jesus came to his own people, the Jews, they did not receive him. Because we sadly see here the Jewish leadership and the Jewish laity here in Jerusalem, though they hear of the of their Messiah being born, they, we're going to find out they have no interest in it and they have no interest in seeking him. But yet here come these Gentile leaders from a foreign country, some elite counselors that are actually king makers, and they come there and because they have some revelation we're going to see and they're responding to that revelation and they come seeking the Lord to know him. And this is why Matthew has this here in the passage in his gospel. Beloved, when we think about a wise person seeking the Lord, that happens when God goes seeking after that person 
And listen carefully, through divine revelation. As God reveals himself to someone. As God brings the truth to someone. And that's what we have here in the story with the wise men, the magi. Notice again, go back to verse 1, where we're told that now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now who are these magi? We talked a little bit about this yesterday in our uh, fellowship with the senior adults and Ms. Ada rightfully stood up and was sharing a testimony there and, and talked about these men that we're going to find out that they're not necessarily kings and there definitely wasn't just three of them that was there. The Bible never tells us anything like that, but the Bible speaks of these men as being wise men and these magi from the east that have arrived in Jerusalem. And so who are they? Well, if you just look at the passage itself, we know that they're coming from the east. We know that they've been exposed to the word of God. And the reason why we know that is because when you look in verse 2, when they arrive in the city of Jerusalem, what they're saying, they're saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for the promised king of the Jews. This is why whenever in verse 4, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, this is Herod inquires of them where the Messiah was to be born. He understood what they were asking. So these are some men that have shown up here that have an understanding in regards to the Messiah, to the king of the Jews. So who would it be that would be coming from the east that's had this kind of exposure to the king of the Jews, thinking about someone who's going to come, who's going to be the Messiah, and him being the Messiah, he's going to be the king, and the king of the Jews. Well, I think if you go back in your Bible, several hundred years before this, go back to the book of Daniel for a moment, to Daniel chapter 2. Go back to Daniel chapter 2. If you recall, it was Daniel that God used to reveal the dream, the understanding, the interpretation of the dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar had some wise men, some elite counselors around him, if you recall, that he sought their counsel first and they couldn't answer it. In verse 2 of Daniel chapter 2, where it says the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the, the magi, the, the wise men. And they were to come and to in, interpret the dream. But they weren't able to do it. But Daniel was. And what you find also that's interesting is that when you get to the end of chapter 2, in verse 48, the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief perfect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel became the one that was placed over the wise men, if you want to say, this group of tribe, of a family of people here, these wise people that were there that were used at that time of helping to establish those that would be kings. And Daniel is the one who is now over them. And if you know anything about Daniel, you know Daniel was a man that was willing to speak for the truth. 
And if you know also about the book of Daniel, and what are some of the things that they would have been hearing Daniel speak about? The insights Daniel was giving. Daniel spoke about a Messiah that was to come. He spoke about a kingdom, the kingdom of God. He spoke about future kingdoms that were going to come, that ultimately there's going to be the arrival of the kingdom of God that was going to crush all the other man-made kingdoms. And the Messiah was going to be the one ruling with that. It even says, you think about it, uh, over in uh, Daniel, I think it is chapter 7, when he says in verse 13, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. He came up to the Ancient of Days and he was presented before him and to him was given dominion, glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Brother, what I'm sharing with you is I think several hundred years later these, this group was introduced to the truth. The truth of the Messiah. The truth of the coming of the Messiah. That he would be the king of the Jews and in relation to him would be the coming of the kingdom of God. And so this is something that they had been passed down and they had this understanding. Though they didn't fully understand what all it meant and what all would be a part of that But God had given them some divine revelation. And they were responding to that revelation. They were responding with a heart that was believing what it is that they were hearing. But not only did they have the scriptures, beloved. Go back with me to the Gospel of Matthew. There, Matthew chapter 2. And you notice another form of divine revelation that was given to them. And that was a sign. That is the star. In Matthew chapter 2. Notice what they say when they arrive there and they're going around town saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star. They didn't just see a star. They saw his star in the east. They knew it to be his star. And that's what they're responding to. Now when you look at the whole passage You should soon realize there that this star is not like the normal stars that we see in the sky. Because this star seemed to appear and disappear. And not only that, that this this star also was able to be so low and, and whatever this star was, it was able to be so low that it could shine down right on the very house where Jesus was staying. If this was just a star up in the sky... And it was there over Jerusalem, beloved. It had been very difficult to see the difference between being over Jerusalem and over Bethlehem. But when you look back at it and look back down at uh, verse 9, I think it is. After hearing the king, they went their way and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. That's how they came to know it. I like what Charles Spurgeon had to say about this star. He said, quote, I suppose you have each one his own imagination as to what this star was. 
It would seem to have been altogether supernatural and not a star or a comet of the ordinary kind. It was not a constellation or a singular conjunction of planets. There is nothing in the scripture to support such a conjecture. In all probability, it was not a star in the sense in which we now speak of stars. For we find that it moved before the wise men, then suddenly disappeared, and again shone forth to move before them. It could not have been a star in the upper spheres like others, for such movements would not have been possible. Some have supposed that the wise man went in the direction in which the star shone forth in the heavens and followed the changes of its position. But it could not, but it could not in that case have been said that it was stood over the place where the young child was. If the star was at its zenith over Bethlehem, it would have been at its zenith over Jerusalem too, for the distance is so small that it would not have been possible to observe any difference in the position of the star in the two places. It must have been a star occupying quite another sphere from that in which the planets revolve. We believe it to have been a luminous appearance in midair, probably akin to that which led the, the children of Israel through the wilderness, which was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So we've seen something like this before, how God led the children of Israel. And what I just want you to see from this is that this was an aspect of the divine revelation that God was giving to these wise men for them in their desire to seek after the Lord. They're seeking him based off of the divine revelation that God's giving them. Now, please understand, for us today, the divine revelation that God's going to give to us is the word of God. We have the full, complete canon of scripture and that's why we're to go out and proclaim the word of God teach the word of God share the gospel with folks tell them the true Christmas story and what Christmas is really all about because that is what God is going to use to seek that person out and so they come to know Christ beloved these men are responding to divine revelation but now let's look at the story because I want you to notice that there were some there on that day and in this story that did not respond to the divine revelation. Though they had the same revelation that the Magi did. Now, before we look at these three groups, again, let me paint the picture for you here of how incredible this testimony is that's come walking into Jerusalem. When it says there in verse 1 that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod, that the Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now understand, like I said, this was not just three men riding in on some horses. This would have been an army of people coming into Jerusalem. These Magi are elite people in their communities. They are elite counselors. As I said, they were king makers. They helped establish those and mark out those and identify those that would be kings. And what's coming into this community here in Jerusalem is this large entourage of people. And notice now, they're coming in. They would have been dressed differently. But notice what they're saying. They are filling the streets of Jerusalem with the question of where is he? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? 
But we saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. Just think about this group, this large group of people coming into Jerusalem, walking throughout the streets and asking, even that word there in verse 1 when it says that they were, this is what they were saying that's written in the Greek language in such a way that it's saying, this is something they were saying over and over and over and over again. They kept walking the streets of Jerusalem, going from house to house, just wanting to know, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? The one who has been born, he's king of the Jews. We're here to worship him. We saw his star and we've been following and we've come and this is where God has brought us and we're here. Where is he? Where is his king? Where is your king? Now that's the picture. But notice the response of the people. Let's start with just the Jewish people on the streets. The Jewish people, the laity there in Jerusalem. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. They were troubled. This did not sit well with them. But what's even more interesting about it is that apparently because Herod goes to ask the religious leaders of the Jews... So where is he? Where is he supposed to be born? That nobody was giving an answer. These people, the Jewish people on the streets, sadly, they didn't seek the Lord Jesus for themselves. And they seem to be somewhat ignorant to the significance of what it is that they're hearing. They're hearing their Messiah has been born. They're hearing their Savior has come. They're hearing the king of the Jews is now here on the earth and he has been born. But they seem to be ignorant to the significance of it. It's not that they've never heard it before. A typical Jew of that day had grown up hearing the truth coming out of the, the word of God of the Old Testament. It's not that they never had heard anything about the coming Messiah. They just were ignorant to the facts of what all it would be and the significance of it for their life. They at that moment are more concerned about their life in the here and now than they were about their eternal souls. And the reason why you know that is because when you go back and you look there in verse 3, their response was they were troubled. And the reason why they were troubled is because Herod was troubled. Because they knew if Herod was troubled, trouble was coming for them. And they were more concerned about their own personal safety, personal security, personal comfort. They were living here in the comfort of Herod, uh, King Herod at that time. And as long as everything was peaceful and going good and going okay, they were like, look, don't come in here bringing this news that's going to rock the boat. Herod's getting agitated. And when Herod gets agitated, as we're going to find out in just a moment, he starts killing people. And he killed his own Family, if he, saw, if he thought somebody was a threat to him and to his kingship, even if it was his own son, he'd take him out. What we see today with, with the guys like over in North Korea, that's King Herod. And they are, they're troubled when they hear this. Because they're really ignorant of its significance. Well, but this is, I think, sadly can apply far too often to too many people even in the church today. 
that have heard the Christmas story. They've heard it all their life. They may even have played a role in a Christmas play in the nativity scene. But yet they're just still really ignorant of its significance. Well, a Christmas is not a sweet children's story for sentimentality. It's about the king of the universe humbling himself, taking on flesh, being willing to be conceived and born as a babe, living under the law of God and living without sin, living in a sin-stained world and never letting that sin stain him until he goes to the cross where on that cross he who is without sin is taking our sin upon himself. That's what Christmas is about. But they were ignorant of that. So that was the Jerusalem laity. Sadly, beloved, when we look at the rest of the story, the, Jeru- the Jerusalem and Jewish leadership was no better. Notice, go back, verse 4. Herod gathers together all the chief priests and scribes. Just, just understand, he just gathers together the political and spiritual leaders of Jerusalem in regards to the Jewish people. And he asks them, he inquires of them, where is the Messiah? Where is he supposed to be born? Now, they weren't ignorant of this fact. They knew it. They could tell it to him right off the top of their heads. In Bethlehem, of Judea. And they could even quote the scripture. For this is what has been written by the prophet. This is talking about the prophet Micah. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my, at least among the leaders of Judah, who will shepherd my people, Israel. They they knew. Now think about the significance of this. You see, the, the Jerusalem laity, the Jewish laity in Jerusalem, they were just ignorant of its significance. But when you look at the leadership... They are indifferent to the significance of what it is they're hearing. They're just indifferent to it. Because they're hearing the same things that everybody else is hearing. I mean, this has filled the city of Jerusalem. And they know if Herod's coming asking them questions, they know why he's asking it. He's asking it because there are some magi from the east that have shown up here and they're going around town and they keep asking, where is he, the king of the Jews? Where is this man? Where is this one? Where is this child? So they're aware of what's going on and they even have the knowledge and they believe it. That is, they believe what the Bible taught. They believe what the prophet Micah said. They believe the Messiah was going to be born in the city of Bethlehem. They believe that, but guess what? They were still indifferent to its significance for their soul, for spiritual conversion and understanding. It had not impacted their heart. It had not impacted their life. And the reason why we, just think about this, they knew where he was supposed to be born. They knew what he was supposed to do. They knew he was going to be the shepherd. He's going to be a ruler. He's going to shepherd my people, Israel. But they didn't know the significance of why. And they didn't know really who it was going to be. And the sad thing is, they were so indifferent that when they hear this news, they don't even care. They didn't care. You say, well, how do you know that? Because not a one of them went to Bethlehem. I mean, just think about that. They are hearing 
Again, not just from some average Joes, somebody just comes walking into a town, just spouting out something. They're hearing from some elite people from other cultures and countries that have come into their area and they're hearing them say, your Messiah has been born. Your Messiah has been born. And they don't send a delegation. They don't send anybody to find out. Is this true? Has he come? Has our Messiah come? Has the ruler of Israel who's going to shepherd us, has he come? They have no interest. The significance of it had not truly impacted their life. It had not changed their heart. Oh, beloved, I wonder how many people today sit in churches throughout our land and they've heard the Christmas story time and again. They've heard it every year, every December, and they hear it and they hear it and they hear it and they can even do as the the leaders could do. They can acknowledge, yes, I believe. I believe that there's a Messiah that was going to come. I even believe that Jesus was born. I believe all of that, but it's never really had an impact, a significance in their life. They've never truly from that gone seeking after the Lord seeking him for the salvation of their soul God asks more of us than for us just to nod in agreement that we agree with the stories of scripture he asks of us to seek him with all of our heart while he may be found and to know him as our savior and as our Lord but this is what sadly they were missing and they need it desperately. So you had the ignorance of the significance with the laity. You had this indifference by the leadership. But if you go back, there's one other person we should talk about, and that's Herod. And he is indignant. He is truly bothered and angered by what he is hearing. And again, when you think about that, that means he understood exactly what the Magi were saying. He understood they were saying, somebody's been born, and they're just down the road about five or six miles from me in a little town, and I know where they are. They're in Bethlehem, and this one who has been born is the king of the Jews. He is their Messiah, and he's the ruler that is to come to shepherd his people. He knows that, and he believes that. He agrees with that. But guess what? He is indignant towards that. He is angered about that. He wants nothing to do with that. That's why as it says that when King Herod heard this, he was troubled. He was agitated. And we see his indignation. We see it first in his deception. Look at verse 7. Notice the Magi have been in public asking these questions. He gathered the leaders together of the Jews and asked them. They gave him the answer that it was going to be in Bethlehem. But he doesn't go speak to the Magi out in public. He speaks to them secretly in verse 7. And he turned to determine from them the exact time the star appeared. And so he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully. I mean, he wanted them to go and find out exactly where this child has been born. Tell me the street address. Tell me where he is. 
Now he's lying to them because he says, because when you find and report to me so that I too may come and worship him. He has no interest in worshiping him. This is deception that's going on in, in, by his way here, trying to deceive the Magi. And we know that's the case. Because in verse 16, when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all his vicinity. He wasn't taking any chances. From two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. That goes back to verse 7, where he called them together and he said, I want to determine when was the exact time this star appeared. Because he knows now how long it's taken. Because you've got to remember now, contrary to sometimes what the nativity scenes may have or say or Christmas stories, that the Magi didn't show up there at the cave where Jesus was born. They're showing up at least several months later. Because you notice when they come here, they're in Bethlehem where he was born, but they're coming into a house. Jesus wasn't born in a house. We also know when you go back and you put it together from the Gospel of Luke that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus there uh, into Jerusalem to the temple where he was to be circumcised according to the law and that would happen after 40 days. We know also they most likely would have traveled back to Nazareth, that's where they were from, to get their belongings to now come back to live in Bethlehem. All these things have transpired. Herod is enraged by this. And so we see him killing innocent babies, little children under the age of two because he saw Jesus as a threat. you got to remember something or, or understand something. Herod had actually been deemed by the Romans. They had given him the title King of the Jews. So he has the title king of the Jews and now some folks have walked into the town saying the king of the Jews has been born. So you can imagine that he felt threatened. But as I think about that, I think about how when we tell the true story of Christ, how that is threatening to those who are even in false religions, even the false religion like Paul was. He saw Jesus as a threat. He wanted to kill Jesus. I mean, he, wanted, he was glad to see Jesus put to death. And he was glad to see Christians put to death. He wanted anything and all that had to do with Christ wiped off of the face of the earth because he was caught up in this false religious system that was damning his soul to an eternal hell. And that's the way it is even today, beloved, as we go and share the wonderful story of Jesus that we can start with his birth and coming into this world and his coming into this world to be that propitiation for our sins and that the only way that you have salvation is through Christ and Christ alone and by repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Christ alone and only in that alone. Nothing else is added. Nothing else is mixed in. It's all done by God's grace, believing in Christ. You go and you start proclaiming that and understand folks will become hostile to that. They're hostile to the gospel. And this is what's going on with Herod. Are people just hostile because they hear the gospel and they know the story of Jesus and they know the story of Jesus coming and they see him as a threat 
to their life of sin. They seem as a threat to their lifestyle. The sin that they want, the life they want. And when they hear of Christ and he is coming, and he, he was coming to be what? The ruler. To rule. And he is to rule this earth. He is to rule our hearts and our life right now. And some become hostile to that. But beloved, the good news is, it's not everyone has responded to God's divine revelation in this way. Thankfully, by God's grace, we see some, if you want to say, that have been illuminated by the Spirit of God. We see the magi, the wise person. This goes back to the thrust of what we're trying to say. The wise person actually seeks the Lord. They hear the truth about Christ and they go seeking after him. This is what we have with the wise men. Verse 9, after hearing the king, that is they've heard now that he's been born in Bethlehem. They go on their way. So now they have the star again. They still have the divine revelation they had been passed down to them. They now have divine revelation, more understanding that he's been born in Bethlehem. This is based off of the the word of God. And they went on their way. They're seeking after the Lord. The star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. Beloved, they have come to find him. These men, they sought the Lord until they found him. And we know they found him spiritually, not just physically, but they found him spiritually because we see what comes flowing out of their heart, what comes flowing out of their life, the person who has sought the Lord and found the Lord for true salvation, what comes out of their heart, even if it's after hours or minutes or days or weeks or months or years of wrestling with God and they're searching and they're seeking and they're striving and they're they're wrestling with God and when they truly come to know him and they've come to find him and, and truly believe upon him and they have salvation what comes out of their heart is the same thing we see coming out of these wise men first we see them rejoicing over him they're just they're praising God. They're rejoicing. They're overwhelmed with joy. Verse 10, when they saw the star, remember where the star is, the star is now right directly over the house. They know it. They found it. He's here. They're in Bethlehem. And they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. They are just overcome with joy in their heart. They could sing, yes, joy to the world. The Lord has come. And they have sought him and they have found him. They understand now even what was told by the angel to the shepherds. Good news of great joy, which will be for all people. That today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. They know this. They know this now for their own heart, their own life. And they believe it. And when someone is believing this, responding to the revelation they've been given from Scripture about Christ, beloved, they rejoice. They rejoice over him, but also notice they revered him. Verse 11, after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground, and they worshiped him. 
It's interesting when you think about it in our day and time, and, and rightfully so, when a dignitary, a president, the president of the United States was to, was to come into uh, a room where we are, the, the proper and respectful thing for us to do is to stand up. We stand in honor of the office. But beloved, when Jesus comes in, we fall on our face and we worship him. We revere him. I mean, just think about this. These men had been in the presence of kings before. This is not something new. And it's not even something new for them to be in the presence of a, a king who has been born. They understand that. But beloved, they know there is someone different here. This is someone they are to worship. They're not just there to identify him as the king. They're there to worship him as their king. To bow in reference to him. To to adore him. To have joy and affection and love and reverence in their heart for him. Beloved, this is the heart of someone that has sought the Lord and truly found him. They rejoice. They revere. But notice also, they recognized him for who he was as Lord and King. And they do this through their offerings and through their obedience. Go back to verse 11. We see them recognizing him for who he was and the gifts that they give. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Beloved, these are gifts that are gifts that are fit for a king. But as you look at them carefully, you think about that in the gifts that they're giving, they are recognizing his royalty. They're recognizing his kingship, but they're also even recognizing his deity. They're recognizing his humility. There is something different here. This is not just another king born into this world. This is the king of kings. This is God himself born in the flesh. And they are amazed by this. And they're recognizing this out of the humility of their heart and offering this up to him. Showing their their recognition of Him. But you also see them recognizing it in verse 12 through their obedience. They were warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod. You see, these men there, they had a decision to make. Herod had told them, come back and tell me where he is. I want to worship him. God has said, that's not true. They've warned, he's warned them not to return to Herod. They're listening to God. They're displaying their recognition of, of Christ and, and wanting to honor Christ and who God is by walking down obedience. They're walking in obedience to what God's saying. Their love and loyalty was to God. Their love and loyalty was to Christ, not to Herod. Their love and loyalty was to Christ. Beloved, these men went back to their own country. These were, without question, changed men. Men who had seen the Savior. 
men who had wrestled in their heart and, and they believed upon him and they loved him and they were going to live their life for him which is why they went back another way and beloved this is what is to be true of us and I ask you this morning have you sought and found the Lord have you sought and found the Lord or do you see yourself in one of those three groups do you see yourself as maybe a part of the the ignorant that is you're ignorant of the significance of the, the true Christmas story it never has really impacted your life where you've truly gone seeking after God You stop and you think about it. I mean, we're telling a story here that God, the one true God, the second person of the Trinity, came down and took on flesh. He was willing to be conceived and be born into this world. That ought to strike a a great desire and interest in your heart. Well, I want to know about this person. And if you want to know about him, you go back and you start studying in the Old Testament and you go forward and you study more in the New Testament. You want to just know about him, you're going to go back and want to know him through the Word of God. Or maybe you're, you find yourself more in the category of the Jewish leaders. You're just indifferent to the significance of this story. It's not that you don't know about it, you do. It's not that you don't believe it, you do. But it really has no bearing on your life. You've never really truly sought Christ. Or maybe you're, as Herod, you're somewhat hostile to this. Beloved, I want to plead with you, if you're in one of those three groups, to repent. Put your faith in Christ. Seek Him. Because as I said, the Lord is seeking you this morning. He has sought you through the preaching of His Word, through the reading of His Word. And you need to now seek Him. You need to seek Him with all your heart. You need to seek Him until you find Him. You need to seek Him until you know that you know Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. Seek Christ. If you have and you come to know Him, then your heart ought to be one that just overflows with joy and rejoicing. Reverence for Him. Recognizing who He is by the offering of your life and by your obedience to His Word. But your loyalty is to Him above anyone else. I want to ask you to bow your head in prayer.